Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I kind of thought to myself, for the first time in my life, I am going to open up about something that I've been private about forever. Michelle. Hey, Carling. I can't believe that we're doing this remotely. I know. I'm sad. I'm sorry. And it's all my fault. I mean, naturally, it's always your fault. Well, <laughs> it's always my fault. Um, yeah, I really messed up my schedule on Sunday and we had a jam-packed day of recording planned and mm. I didn't realize that I had agreed to work for a friend at um like a dog care facility to help out for the day yeah for like literally 12 hours yeah and so I was eight hours late for that shift (laughs) (laughs) worst employee ever yeah yeah so we didn't have time to do our intro outro which is what we always do so now it is Monday night at 7 p.m and our episode goes live in like a few hours at midnight oh and we just we just recorded another podcast. We are busy today. I know. We were. We just did an interview with What Do We Do Now? Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Those ladies are amazing and they're our new best friends. Yeah. They're just one more reason that we need to get to Utah. We're going to visit Katie and Steph. Yeah. We'll visit the ladies of this podcast. Yeah. And whoever else. Amazing. And whoever else. If and you're in all Utah, of our you want to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how was your week? Well, it's only Monday, but so far. <laughs> well, like, well, like la- how was last week since we last spoke on the podcast? I think it was okay. I can't really remember. I worked. Kids had school. Um, well, I was sick on s- Thursday and Friday. My stomach was really uh, trying to kill me. But um, so I stayed home from work. And then my five-year-old was sick. She has a really bad cough, so she was coughing her little guts out and throwing up, which was super fun. So I kept her home too, and yeah, the weekend was busy with podcast stuff and kids going in all different directions, and then this morning, I sent them all off to school thinking that uh, everything would be fine and I could go to work, and then on my way to work, I got a call from the school that... Claire was still coughing and they did not like that. So I had to pick her up and I had to bring her to work with me until my mom could come and get her. So she got a lot of attention at my work. I was going to say, she probably had the time of her life. Yeah. She had a lot of fun. She was like sitting at one of the little like wickets and everyone was like, Oh, are you the new teller? It was really cute. Oh my God. Did she love it? She did. So yeah. Um, (laughs) That was kind of a snag in my plans, but it all worked out. How about you? Yeah, it kind of the same. Like, I think whatever Claire has, I have. Because Wednesday, I was really sick. I had like a headache and I threw up. Mm. And 
I was like hot and cold. I think I had a fever. And then I've just sort of had this like cough get worse and worse and worse. So me and her are going to go for COVID test tomorrow. I know you're going to be a little COVID test buddies. Yeah. I'm not allowed to go back to work until I have a negative test and I don't have any cough anymore. I would, I would love it if someone told me I wasn't allowed to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> but then just your luck, somehow the kids would also be off. Oh, totally. And then you would just be like stuck at home with them. <sighs> I mean, knock on wood, we haven't had yeah. to isolate um, really at all. Like we've never mm-hmm. been COVID positive and we've never been in close contact, which I find like there's got to be some like dark magic at work here because my kids all go to school in daycare and my kids' schools have all had cases, but it just happens to be that none of them have been in my kids' classes, which I think is just crazy. And the odds are like so against us, but so far we have been in the clear. You need to knock on wood right now. I'm knocking. I'm knocking on my desk. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, my week has just been, I don't know, same old, same old. Uh, my work is crazy because we're, there's like this whole, uh, vaccine passport, but my work's not doing it, but I don't know. There's a, it's a whole thing. I can't even get into it. It's, it's too much, but yeah, I know it's a it's lot been wild. It's just exhausting, honestly. And I want to say that if you're the type of person that's going to go into, a place of business and yell the people working there because you don't like their COVID protocols. Um, you suck. Yeah. And like, don't be that person. Down. Cause like, yeah, don't be that guy. I just don't think, I think logically, like if you're going into a place and yelling at like a barista or a cashier, like know that they're not the ones making these decisions. It's not coming yeah. from them. It's coming from the top. So like direct your anger at an appropriate place. Yeah, totally. That is my little uh, TED Talk for the day. TED Talk? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you so much. I don't know. I don't really know what else is new. Yeah, everything feels just kind of like dreadful right now, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, we need some good news. I had, I feel like I'm in like a really, like, I don't know. I always call it a dip. I'm in like a grief dip right now. I've been having a lot of dreams about, um, my husband, which is always just like throws me off so much. Speaking of, well, I don't know. Speaking of you having dreams about Anthony. Yeah. Um, we recorded our first of a first episode of your story about how you and Anthony met. I know we're like dipping our toes into my story and we did our first episode with our friend Amanda from Amanda Loves to Hate Team Mom for our Patreon. And yeah, we talked about Friday. Yeah, we talked about how we met and our relationship and our wedding and all those kind of cute things. And yeah, it was fun. And Michelle, for those asking, what is Patreon? Oh, well, Carling, thank you so much for asking. Um, (laughs) Our Patreon is a way to support our podcast. We put out bonus episodes twice a month. We have currently over 30 or more episodes on our Patreon right now. I think we're at 39, if I'm being honest. Oh, my. And they run the gamut of just all sorts of things. I mean, the time that Carling was kidnapped once. Yeah. Almost kidnapped, sorry. Almost, yeah. Um, I think we talked about a couple times when I was robbed we talk about all of Carling's trauma with her <laughs> ex. 
Yeah. And it's really crazy over there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And a few guests have reached out and wanted to only share their stories on the Patreon. So there's some like exclusive guest stories and it's definitely not our same like style as we have on the regular feed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we also single-handedly solved the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey. We did. And we are going to solve more murders mm-hmm. over there. So yeah. just be prepared for that. Yeah. So check it out. You can, um, the link is in our bio on Instagram, but you can also just go to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. And for as little as $5 a month, you get instant access to all of those episodes. Yeah. And because it's still the month of September, we are still selling the Evelyn notebook. Um, people yeah. have already received their notebooks and they're so freaking adorable. Mm-hmm. So a proceed of the, uh, a portion of the proceeds of the notebook are going towards the team Evelyn project. And because it is, uh, September is childhood cancer awareness month. That is what we are doing for that. And also our other notebooks are also on sale in our Etsy shop. Yeah. We got a little bit of everything. If you want a hoodie, we've got a merch shop. If you want stickers, we've got stickers. If you want a mug like or notebooks, yeah. just like hit us up, man. We got it all. Yeah. It's really great. My cousin is so sweet. Um, she said she was going to order a hoodie. Oh, exciting. Yeah, so cute. So cute. Um, but anyway, we're so stoked for today's episode. Uh, this is good. This is a part two episode. So if you are not familiar with um, episode 71, it is with Kate and Katie and Steph. And they told their story about growing up in and then ultimately leaving the Mormon church. And this is part two where we talk to Steph and Katie about Steph's journey um, coming out as a trans woman. Yeah, it was incredible and just amazing to hear their story and we just love them so much yeah we're we're on our way to utah we're on our by way the end of but yeah beep beep i got a bus <laughs> Roll them up. we're going oh man well first let's see if my covid test comes back okay and then and then we'll load up we got to be safe better to be safe yeah. first yeah yeah all right let's get right. into it sounds good okay, bye, bye. Hello, Katie and Steph. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Good, how are you? We're doing well, how are you? Good. Yeah, good. It's like a nice, I don't know, it feels like one of our last nice days of the summer, it feels like. Yeah. Here, I don't know, what's your weather been like? It feels like summer's coming to an end, which is good, but we're not terribly excited for the cold of quite yet we've had a lot of smoke here too it's been our air quality has been terrible because we're getting a lot of the smoke coming in from the california fires yeah the oh, air quality yeah. is awful it's so interesting how similar utah and alberta are yeah. so we're in the same boat it's been a really hot summer but we've had a lot of really poor air quality oh, really? days because of the bc fires yeah so what? yeah so same thing there's just i don't know the world's on fire and Everywhere yep. hot's just getting all the smoke from it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. We've been so excited to talk to you guys. So we, for anybody listening, um, we interviewed Katie and Steph back in July and it's episode 71. And we talked to you guys about your journey through like meeting, getting married and being a part of the Mormon church. And then sort of the journey you took together to leave the Mormon church. Today, we wanted to sort of focus on 
Steph, your story about discovering that you're a trans woman and how that impacted your marriage and where you guys are today and that whole story. Yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. I saw your video on TikTok and I, I posted it to our stories when it happened about how when you got your name and did they change the gender too on your birth certificate? Yeah, I put in a specific request for the judge to also change the sex gender marker on all my official documents and he was very obliging. So I'm very excited about that. Wow. Ah, I watched it like 17 times and just sobbed. I was so happy. Yeah, we had a lot of messages of people that were so excited for you. Yeah. Thank you. That's so sweet. I'm curious, though, because you live in Utah and because there's such a heavy Mormon uh, presence in almost every business and and, Mm -hmm. you know, political office and things like that. Were you nervous that you would run into pushback on something like that because of someone's, you know, religious beliefs? I was, um, because I'd heard stories of other uh, trans individuals having their request be rejected by judges. But fortunately, there was a ruling in the Utah Supreme Court recently that sort of set a precedent that anyone requesting to change their name or gender would be granted. So judges or legal authorities no longer have any basis to deny those requests. So fortunately, that wasn't really an issue for me. And those are all kind of just accepted now. Yeah, that's really good. I yeah. mean, about time, but yeah. at least they changed it, right? They did. Yeah. And encouraging to come from a place as conservative as Utah is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I know, like, Alberta, where we live, is really conservative for the whole country. Like, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the more conservative provinces, right. but there was a bunch of politicians that voted in favor of keeping, oh, what is it called? When you go to, they send you away to a church to be... Uh, Conversion therapy? Oh, oh my, my god. Gosh. Yes, conversion, conversion therapy. To keep it legal. <laughs> I was and there was say like, conservation. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it was like Al- a bunch of Alberta politicians were like, no, we still think it should be legal. Yeah. Oh, uh, like, oh guys. Real embarrassing. Yeah, we got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully all of those politicians listen to this podcast. Yeah, send it to them. (laughs) I don't think so. It's not really our audience. We're a little progressive. Yeah, I think. (laughs) Why don't you take us back, Steph, to like, I don't know, wherever you're comfortable starting with your story, whether it's like growing up as a child or just... If you want to skip over that and start about when your journey started. Yeah, well, I know when we met last time in the previous episode, I just kind of referenced quickly that growing up, I just kind of felt different. Like I mentioned how, you know, childhood kids would get together to play house and I would want to be the mom at school. I, I enrolled in gymnastics and I was in a class of like seven other girls and I loved it so much. And at recess during school, all the boys would go outside and play football and all the girls would go do cheer and dancing and things like that. And I always went with the girls because I was friends with the girls and I wanted to do those kinds of things. It was just, you know, very normal to me. I didn't think like I was disrupting any social boundaries of what gender should look like. But then other kids started bullying me and making fun of me for being that way. And I just quickly learned as a child that it's not okay to do certain things. You know, there are expectations for how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to behave. So I just started to learn that all these things that I felt inside internally was just something to keep private to myself and not act outwardly on those things. You know, I started going to play football with the boys at recess and I had my mom take me out of gymnastics because I didn't want to get made fun of anymore. Oh. 
And that's kind of just how my childhood went. The feelings didn't go away. I still, you know, in the privacy yeah. of my own bedroom would express my gender in ways that felt comfortable to me and made me happy. But outside of that, I was always just trying to be the little boy that I was expected to be by everybody else. Yeah. And did you confide in anybody about those feelings? No, not at all. Not my parents, not my siblings, not my friends, nobody. Because, you know, I just knew socially that that was inappropriate and unacceptable. But as I got a little bit older and religion became a more prominent part of my life, you know, then there was this like sinful spiritual aspect to it that you can't act and behave this way because, you know, it's so morally wrong and it would disappoint God and things like that. So then I knew I really, really had to keep it a secret from anybody else because of that internalized shame. Do you think part of it was like lack of language to to fully express or to fully, I don't know, like convey how you were feeling to yourself or to anybody? I know for me, I remember I can look back now that I have like the language and representation and picture times that I was like, oh, yeah, I was feeling different. And I just didn't have the words or anything to sort of express it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably why you see more and more young people identifying within the queer community now is because there is more representation. There is that language and people understand that, you know, this is something you can be or this is an explanation for why you feel the way that you are. But when I grew up, it was just such a negative social stigma to identify as queer. And there weren't words like transgender. It was, you know, tranny or transsexual and, you know, derogatory terms that refer to somebody who had this mental illness of being a man in a dress or whatever else. Yeah, or it was, yeah, it was like a kink or or you're seeing on like Lana order SVU where it's like really yeah you know, where maybe they're a sex worker yeah, or, like or Jerry Springer I think yeah. was probably my <laughs> first exposure yeah. to somebody who would have been trans or and it was it was always I don't know there was this like negative oh, yeah. connotation with it yeah I think like growing up in that in the religion that I did like I can't overstate this enough but in their theology you know they've got it baked into their doctrine that being gay like nobody's born gay nobody's born trans that's not your identity These are choices that you make and they're not just choices, but they're bad choices. They're immoral and they're sinful. So growing up in that context, you can't say, well, I was born transgender because they invalidate it from the very beginning. So that's just not a legitimate claim you can make. There's talks given by leaders that say that like being gay is a sin next to murder. Like it's just right up there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. You can almost, I mean, you can very easily argue the other side of that though. Like if, if you are in this religion and you're so fearful of the sin and everything, then why would you, you know, choose to be this way right like and not in a negative way but like that proves that it's not a choice right yeah. a lot of the time right because if you feel like you're going to lose everyone in your whole family and your church family and everything you know if you had a choice then maybe you wouldn't choose yeah why wouldn't that? you take the easy path of it, least resistance yeah, exactly and just blend in and fit in with everybody yeah. why would you make such yeah Right. So I think that's important to understand because I think when a lot of people hear about our story, they're kind of like, well, did you marry Katie knowing that you were transgender and just like deceiving her from the very beginning? I Like in retrospect, I think there in some ways I could have been more transparent and honest with her. And I regret that, you know, I didn't take those opportunities, but I didn't marry her knowing that I'm transgender. I married her feeling like I've got this moral weakness, you know, maybe like a temptation towards like more feminine things, but I in no way felt like that was part of my core identity. 
So I married her thinking, you know, if I pray and live righteously enough, God will take these feelings away and everything will be fine. The church so heavily teaches, like, even if she had understood her feelings, she, the church so heavily teaches, like, either you just remain abstinent or you enter into a mixed orientation marriage. So she still may have married me thinking, like, that's the fix. If I just get married and do this, then that's the fix because that's what the church teaches. Yeah, exactly. You were, you were doing what you thought you had to do to be better or to be righteous. And I think a lot of people use things like marriage or having a baby or things like that to fix themselves, Mm -hmm. either their sexual orientation or their relationship with their partner or their family, right? A lot of people use those things and hope that Mm -hmm. it's just going to fix everything. Yeah. I've heard a lot of those stories and I don't think I've ever heard a successful one where happily ever after everybody's good. I like, it's always 10, 15, 20 years down the road, everything explodes and it's just devastating to everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So then what was it like sort of going more into your youth where you like hit puberty and got older? Yeah, I like, like I said, all those feelings that I had inside just kind of continued. And I remember looking at, you know, my female friends just with a sort of envy, like, I wish I had a body like that. And it wasn't like I looked at all my guy friends as we moved into like middle school and high school, and they were all interested, like most men are, in aggressively pursuing these girls. And, you know, I wanted to be friends with them. I wanted to talk with them, like about their boyfriends and, you know, talk about other things that girls talk about. Yeah, I just like it was an experience and an existence that I was just envious of. And I wish I had that. And there were so many experiences where I would look at like my guy friends and how they acted or what they were interested in. And I just realized I'm not like that. Like, why am I different? Why am I not the way that they are? And so it was just a lot of confusion because again, I didn't, you know, make the connection that you could be trans. It was just something's wrong with me. And so, you know, because I was becoming increasingly religious, I would just pray and ask God to kind of like fix me and take take these feelings away. And as I got older, you know, in like the privacy of my own home, I would go out and buy dresses and I would, you know, get dressed up and I would express my gender that way. And it made me feel so happy. And I really enjoyed doing that. But then when I kind of got done, it was just like overwhelming shame and self-hatred. And I would just mm. kneel down in tears, just begging God to forgive me for being such a pervert and ask him to just make me better. That's just kind of how my life went for years and years, just swinging back and forth between feeling so happy and expressing and exploring my gender to just feeling, you know, like I was just the worst person in the world. Yeah, that's so devastating. I can't imagine how lonely that made you feel. Yeah, it wasn't the best. (laughs) No. Oh, jeez. And do you remember coming across anybody transgender or the concept of transgender at any point before you sort of started to question that yourself? Not really. Like like we talked about before, like you had seen some people on Jerry Springer, like or on TV shows like that. But there was never anything like positive that I could look to as a reference point and say, that's something that like I relate to. There was never anything like that. And so, yeah, it wasn't until deep into our marriage that I really started to look outside and try to understand what is this thing that I'm feeling? Why won't it go away? What do I do about it? But nothing really like early in my childhood or teenage years. Once you got married, in the last episode, you talked a little bit about intimacy was obviously a real problem. And Katie, like it broke my heart when you talked about sort of like that deep shame that you felt because you were sort of promised that once you get married, you're just going to be this like irresistible person to your spouse. 
and you were going to have kids and it was going to be this thing. And so you didn't have an outlet to sort of be like, hey, is this normal? Or, hey, we're struggling because you just wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely... wasn't really a question. That was more just like... <laughs> No, it was it was really, really hard because I mean, you're not allowed to have any sort of like sexual experience before you're married. And so you don't have anything to compare to what you're experiencing in marriage. So my spouse not wanting to have sex with me was like, that was my main experience. And I was just taught growing up my whole life that women are just temptresses to men and men can't control themselves. And so when I was married and that wasn't my experience, I just instantly internalized it like, oh, it's because of me. Something's wrong with me. Yeah, I didn't have any kind of, like you said, like vocabulary or knowledge to understand like what a healthy sex life looks like and that maybe there's more to, you know, intimacy than just like one person feels desire and so then the other person matches that and then they get together, you know? Sex education growing up Mormon was just very much lacking. Yeah. And I don't expect, like, I don't expect a lot of people to have sympathy from my perspective of the story, but I just want to say that it was equally frustrating for me because, you know, in society, this is going to be a generalization and I know it doesn't apply to everybody, but you know, men typically when they're presented with the opportunity to have sex, they don't often turn that down. I mean, that's typically the thing that men are after in society. And so I kind of looked at myself like when my wife wanted to have sex and I just didn't feel that or I felt incredibly anxious about it. I would think to myself, what is wrong with me? Like Katie was thinking that for her, like what's wrong with me? But I thought that too, like what, why am I this way? And it wasn't for a very long time that I realized that it was, you know, having sex essentially in the wrong body that was just so difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think people should absolutely sympathize with that side of things because yeah, and I, I think even across all types of relationships, like there's somebody on TikTok, I can't think of her name, but she posts a lot about being in a marriage and feeling this pressure to have sex even when she doesn't want to. Yeah. Because it's her husband. Uh-huh. And so there's this like coercion aspect which causes a lot of damage. And she talks about like her shame feeling like I was supposed to just want my husband all the time. Uh-huh. And I think there's just not enough talk in the world across any religion or not about what healthy intimacy looks like that not all people have the same sex drive and desires and yeah you know and 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 I think so yeah I think for both of you I can just imagine how lonely and I don't know, hurtful that would feel or frustrating or confusing. Yeah. And I I think about it like, like I'm straight, but what if I was in a religion that told me like being straight is sinful. You have to marry a woman and you have to be intimate with her and you have to procreate with her and that's going to make you happy. So live the rest of your life that way. Like I think about that and I'm like, that's traumatizing. That's I, yeah. Yeah. And that's what you're telling that's what you're telling gay people to do or trans people to do is just like, just ignore those feelings and just do what we want you to do. Yeah. And it's so traumatic. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah. you know, us being married, the fact that Mormonism so inadequately prepares you for a sex life. And then on top of that, with one of us being trans, it was just, it was set up for disaster from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we tried to do our yeah. best. Yeah, it was just very, very painful and confusing and frustrating for us kind of all the way through. Yeah, and it was just that way for most of our marriage. It was just, it wasn't like we, like we would try to kind of work through things, but if we 
I don't know. We just got to this point where, like, we just didn't talk about sex because if we just didn't talk about it, yeah, everything else was okay because we get along really well. We parent yeah. well together. Like, we have the same ideas about parenting and finances and things like that. So, like, all those aspects of our marriage worked really well. And so we just told ourselves, like, okay, if we just don't talk about it, then everything's fine. But, I mean, when that's yeah. such a core part of a relationship, you can't just not talk about it and expect things to be fine. So I think the more time went on, like the harder and harder it got and it just stayed that way until we left the church yeah Yeah. did you guys have a good foundation for communicating about everything and did you try to communicate about it or was it sort of like the things you were doing to work through it were just sort of like surface level so I think at first at first I tried to communicate I tried to communicate it a lot but anytime I would try to bring it up Steph would feel like very attacked and get very defensive and so we communicate really well we communicated really well about everything except for that and if we even like started to you know get close to the subject there would be a lot of defensiveness I would I would get really defensive too and yeah so yes and no we did have good communication skills but not when it came to intimacy like it was just too it was just too vulnerable for both of us and we we didn't know how to talk about it it wasn't until after we left the church that like our communication improved tenfold and that's really when we were able to do everything Mm -hmm. lost all these expectations of what everything was supposed to look like how our marriage was supposed to be and we just kind of sat down and we're like okay so this is where we're at and we're not happy here and we have a we have a new start we have a new chance like what do we want let's figure it out because this isn't working the way we've been doing it isn't working we need to figure it out and that's when Steph opened up to me about like feeling she had felt her whole life can you talk a little bit about that Steph was it had you come to the realization that you were trans or was it more like you were opening up about how you were feeling without that language specifically before you realized yeah so we can tell you kind of exactly how it happened (laughs) we left the church which we talked about last episode so we stopped attending stopped believing kind of just like cut off all ties with it and for both of us that felt like a fresh start and so katie sat me down one day and she's like look we've left the church like i feel like this is a good opportunity for us to just kind of reset and start over so she said you know regarding our sex life i just want us to be really open and honest and transparent like whatever you're feeling about it or you know let's just be really open and kind of start over and when she said that I kind of thought to myself, for the first time in my life, I am going to open up about something that I've been private about forever. I'm going to try not to get too, yeah, I'm going to try not to get like too emotional and cry today, but that's, yeah, like I'm, I was in my thirties and I felt like I've never shared this with anybody, but like, I have to do it now because she's right. This is like the new opportunity to start over. So it took me like three or four days to like really build up the courage. And then I took work off early one day. I got the a babysitter for the kids and I came home and sat her down and I said, I need to talk to you. Yeah, she could tell like I was like shaking. I was about to cry. I was just so nervous. And so she could tell like this is a really big moment. And I just said, I don't know why, but you know, since I've been a kid, I've always felt drawn towards like feminine things and for some reason like I've always wanted to dress up as a woman and express my gender that way you know I just like laid it all out made myself incredibly vulnerable and then I just waited and she just said okay well wait do you remember you 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 thought it was a kink yeah you thought it was like some weird awful crazy sexual kink that no one could ever find out about and so you told me 
that like you felt this draw towards like feminine things but it was just this kink and that's what was getting in the way of us like connecting intimately and I was like okay uh well walk me walk me through it what does it look like for you like I was trying to be very open-minded and I just didn't know what to think and so she like walked me through it and was like well you know I like to I like to wear women's clothing. I like to do this. What else did you say? You, you know, were like, I'll get my hair done and I'll put on makeup and things like that. And then I said, you know, I'll I'll go out and I'll just like go shopping or just kind of like go out into society presenting as female. And this whole time I'm listening and I'm like, okay, like just waiting for like the sex part. And I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. That doesn't <laughs> sound like a kink to me. Like, I think that maybe there's yeah. something more there. Katie, had you ever, did you know what transgender was or body dysmorphia or anything I like that? A little bit, but only like what I had been exposed to on TV. Like it was nothing mm-hmm. I had ever really looked into on my own. I didn't know much about it. Like I had seen people on Instagram. I've watched like a couple makeup tutorials from trans women, but like not really. Like I did not understand right. the experience at all did you have any idea that that this is what was coming no not at all there there were times where I was like maybe she's gay I don't know and like just trying to figure out why we weren't connecting intimately but I was like I'm I'm not seeing anything that would make me think that but the reason I never saw anything that would like clue me in on anything is because it was like essential to her survival in her mind to protect that secret at all costs So she was careful in any kind of like feminine expression. Like it was separate completely from me and the kids. And so there were no clues. I mean, there were no obvious clues. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that explains like you having like a typical female brain explains a lot about different like arguments we've had or different, I don't know, like you've always been so quick to like jump up and like nurture the kids and... Um, not saying that those are like female specific traits, but they, yeah. Yeah. women tend to be more of the nurturers, right? Like we would have fights too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we used to have fights about like, we weren't having sex because the house wasn't clean, but like she was, a- <laughs> and that's why we weren't having sex. And like, looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no clues, but nothing yeah. else. Wow. And so Steph, what was the next step? So now you've explained this to Katie and you think like, okay, I've opened up about this kink that I have. Right. So Katie was really great about it. Like she said, she was, you know, trying to be open-minded and understand this a little bit more. And so this is really incredible. She said, okay, well, why don't we explore this a little more and see exactly what's going on? And so it was like, I, maybe this is wrong, but I feel like most women, if their husband said this to them, they'd be kind of like, nope, like either this stops or I'm out the door or this is crazy. Like I'm not okay with this. And Katie was just like, okay, well, let's try to understand this a little bit better. And so she encouraged me like, why don't you go get some clothes, come back and you know, you get dressed up and let's just take the shame away from it. Let's just have you do that. And then instead of like getting out of it and praying to God and telling him like how awful you are, let's just like stay in there, see how you feel. And that's incredible. I know. I just like, I wept because this was the first yeah. time I opened up about it. I was so scared and she was just so accepting and understanding and loving. That's amazing. Wow. I, to your point, I remember watching Oprah, like when I was young, probably like 14 or something. And I remember watching someone coming out to their 
to their wife as transgender. And I remember thinking in my naive state how betrayed that that woman must have felt and Mm -hmm. how she was lied to. And, you know, but her reaction was to stay and to help and, you know, and it, and it just seemed so crazy to me, but it makes sense. I mean, you married each other and you you're in this relationship because you love each other to your core and you're not going to, you would hope that that person wouldn't turn their back on you once right. you became your authentically true self. Right. Yeah. And I think another thing that makes a really big difference in our story is again, it wasn't like I knew that I was transgender. And then after eight years of marriage, it's like, Hey, by the way, I'm transgender. I didn't know that. So it wasn't like a secret that I was trying yeah. to keep from her. It was just something I didn't understand about myself. This next part is a story we like to tell. But yeah, Katie told me to go get some clothes. So I did. And then, you know, I came back and we kind of got dressed up a couple times. But then I approached her one day and I said, hey, I want if you'd be willing to help me see how passable I could be as a woman. Like if you'd be willing to help me do my hair and do my makeup and everything. And Katie was more than willing to do that. And, you know, she likes makeup. And so she was kind of excited about it. So we went into the bathroom one day. I was looking away from the mirror so I couldn't see what she was doing. And, you know, she just did a full face of makeup and helped me do, help me do my hair. You know, before I saw my reflection, she's like, why don't you go to the closet and get dressed? And so I went and grabbed like a skirt and a top and kind of got all dressed up. It was like this big moment where she was like going to say, okay, now you can step in front of the mirror. And so it was like three two, one. And I stepped in front of the mirror and I saw myself and I just started crying. Um, And then she looked in the mirror and it wasn't like a happy cry for her. It wasn't like, wow, I finally feel at home. It was, it was like, I think in that moment, it just really hit her how much of a part of her identity, that appearance, that reflection was. And she just, she just looked at me and she said, we shouldn't have done this. And and it was it was in that moment that I knew like, okay, this isn't, this isn't small. This isn't like some like small expression, like, oh, occasionally I do my makeup and dress in typically women's clothes. It was like, this is who she yeah. was. And so I feel like yeah. I expected oh, wow. she was trans so much sooner than she did so much sooner. Yeah. Because it's not like I wanted to be trans. It's not like that was something I was looking forward to or hoping for because I knew that that would, you know, it ruins lives. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, but like in the, in yeah. the sense of the church, in the sense of where we were at in our background, like that was like a death sentence. That was like one of the worst yeah. things that, in fact, there's a quote from a prophet that says like, parents, you should pray for your children to come home dead rather than come home unworthy. Like, rather oh, than come gay or sexually unclean. Like that's the shit yeah. that the church says about and, and anybody. how can you read that as a parent and be like, yep, totally. Yeah. Like how yeah. how could anybody as a parent read that and think that that made sense? Yeah. I don't know. But to stay in a religion that encourages something like that. Like it's so it's it's easy to say, right? But like you when you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. So I guess The next thing that happened is we eventually started going to therapy together to someone uh, who kind of like specialized in gender issues. And gender issues and like religious trauma. She was just like the package of exactly what we needed at the time. Um, So that started being really 
Well, but again, at that point, I was still trying to like avoid this conclusion that I was trans because I just, I was so afraid that that was going to devastate everything in my life. I was going to lose Katie. I was going to lose the children and like everything would just be horrible. And, you know, I would go to sleep at night and I would have dreams where like I would wake up just really, really questioning my gender and looking back on like my whole life. Like, is this who I really am? Or, you know, have I just been living a life to satisfy the expectations of other people? And so like as the days went on, I just started to panic more and more. And I got so just scared about what was going to happen. And I was at work one day and I just had a full blown panic attack. Like my body just froze and clamped up and like my heart was just out of control. And I felt like I was having a heart attack and I had coworkers rush me up to the emergency room and I called Katie and I said, I need you to come down. And she came down and she had our daughter with us. And so I'm just laying there on the hospital bed in the emergency room with my daughter on my chest. And Katie and I are just looking at each other like, this isn't sustainable. Like Mm -mm. you can't keep denying this about yourself. And not only did you have like panic attacks, like I honestly was so worried that like one day you just weren't going to come home because you would get into these like really dark places and you would sob and just say like, this is just too hard. I can't do this anymore. And, and like nothing I did or said could pull you out of that. And I just was so terrified that, that this was going to take you from us. That must be so scary. Yeah. It was really difficult. And I look back on those days and yeah, it, it really was just kind of like the lowest point in my life, but only because I was now coming to like this point where I had to accept this reality and I was still just trying to deny that that's who I was. You could still only see it through the lens of the church, that it was something that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we had this really great epiphany uh, with our therapist because I was expressing all these fears to her. And I was like, I can't do this to Katie. I can't put my family through this. I can't do this. And she looked at me and she said, do what? And I said, oh, wow. Yeah. Because I was just, I was so scared that by transitioning, it would just be the worst thing for everybody. And she helped me see if you do this, if you accept this about yourself, and if you transition and live your life as you know this honest and authentic person, you are giving your family the best version of yourself. You are showing them that it's safe to be authentic, to be who they are, and that they will still be loved and accepted in your family. And so it helped me shift to this idea that this doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like being trans isn't bad. It's just who you are. And you can still have a fulfilling life with the people close to you. You just, you know, it's a matter of just acceptance. Wow. Oh my goodness. It's so true though. And I, it makes sense how you can feel like you're doing something to somebody and and this is going to negatively impact because of how you were raised and because of how the church, you know, made you feel about this. Was there ever a time that you thought you were gay? Like I know Katie, you said you wondered if she was, but Steph, was that something that was that part of that journey is questioning your attraction? My therapist was really good about like encouraging me to explore that. And yeah, once I figured like this is my gender identity, like I'm a woman, I've always been a woman, then it kind of gave me a lot more freedom to like sort everything else out. Yeah, I think like at the end of the day, I don't think this is true for every woman or it doesn't need to be. But I think for me, like part of like femininity is like I want to be with a man. I want to be held by a man. I want to be you know, loved by somebody and be intimate with a man. And 
I just kind of, as I peeled back all these layers, it was like, oh, okay, that's another part of me. But growing up in the church, like those were never questions that I allowed myself to explore. So it's just been a whole journey of discovery, leaving the church and accepting like, you know, who I am. I find it so funny because for me coming out as a lesbian, but I was living like I married a man. I remember thinking the exact opposite. Like I was like, ugh, like I don't want a man to touch me. I don't want a man's hands on me. I don't want to be in a man's arms. Like there's this whole, there's a lot to it. And I remember looking around and just pretending like I remember you know, like having to actually put on an act and being like, oh yeah, I really love man's hands. Or like, I don't even know, like just anything. And I remember consciously being like, ew, like, is this reality? Do women want this for themselves? So it's funny to hear that from your perspective, because for me, it was like the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That like kind of goes back to what I said earlier about like, if somebody told me I had to marry a woman, that's how I would feel like I would have a very like I yeah. wouldn't be the woman, you know? It's like you yeah, can't, yeah. Nobody gets to choose their sexual attraction and to try and tell somebody that they're wrong mm-hmm. for something that is just an innate part of them yeah. is I feel yeah. like very core evil. And so what was your relationship like? You know, you have this revelation, you figure out your gender identity that you're a trans woman. And then, and then you discover that you're a straight trans woman, right? Because I yeah. think it's not always the same because you could be a trans right. woman lesbian. Sexual orientation and sexual identity are two different things. Right. So what was that like for both of you to navigate because you're married with kids? Well, from the beginning, um, I think like the reason that we're still sitting here together like such great friends and we can talk about our story and be close together is because from the very beginning we agreed that we would be mutually supportive of each other and each other's needs. So Katie has been great throughout my transition, you know, on this road to living an authentic life, but I wanted to be equally supportive and make sure that Katie gets everything that she wants. Um, And so that, you know, we had to have a lot of difficult conversations about what that meant for us and what our future would look like because she's not attracted to women and I'm not. And so it just kind of like, we both realized it's ironic to be two women married together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but we wanted each other to be happy and we knew that we had this great friendship and we have like this deep love and concern and care for each other. And so it's like, we can move in this direction, but it doesn't have to ruin our family. We can stay a family. We can stay best friends. We can co-parent, we can make this work, but we need to be respectful and supportive of each other. That's kind of how we've been from the very beginning. And I've understood that that means that, you know, Katie will be seeking a different romantic partner. And at some point when I feel comfortable, I'll be doing that. We can be happy for each other because at the end of the day, if you really, really love somebody, it means that you want what's best for them and you want them genuinely to be happy, even if that isn't being happy with you as the life partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was it like, I guess, what what is the process or conversation of like, okay, I am a woman and now I need to start presenting that way to my inner circle and then my work and society? Yeah. For me, it was very, very gradual. I know that it's not that way for all trans people, but I feel like I started presenting more and more feminine at home. And then like around family members, a little bit more trying to drop breadcrumbs so that people can kind of pick up on the idea that like, 
we might have a baby queer in the family, like something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember I we would go to family dinners with my family and I would have my toenails, my fingernails painted. And then, you know, people would start talking like, what is going on? And same thing with Katie's family. And so it eventually led to a point where we'd go out to dinner individually with like each person and I would come out and I would tell them. For some people, it was a big surprise. For others, it wasn't so much a surprise. But then, you know, like I remember we would think about people in our lives, like who is going to be accepting and receptive of this? And let's come out to them first so we can kind of build this circle of support. And then we just kind of kept coming out to people over and over and over again until we felt like we've got a good enough support system that I can come out publicly so that even if there is like rejection or things like that, I know that the people closest to me are going to be there to be supportive and not just of me, but of us and our family and all the changes that we were going through. So when I did come out publicly, then I just gradually started to kind of shift my presentation and I came out publicly at work and let everybody know. And fortunately I work for a very progressive company that's got, you know, great, they've got a great culture. They've got trans healthcare benefits and policies that are supportive of people in the queer community. They had bathrooms specifically for trans people when they have trans bathrooms. And when I came out, I had the HR department reach out to me and they just kind of said, we just want you to feel comfortable and supported. Like you use whatever bathroom or locker room you're comfortable with. If anybody has issues, they can come talk to HR, but we've got your back and we want you to know that you're supported. So that's incredible. That just gave me goosebumps. That's amazing. That was really great. Was there anybody that you came out to that their reaction surprised you either for the good or bad? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Honestly, my, my best friends, um, I have two best friends are, they're twins and they are very, very, very LDS, like very, very, very Mormon. And I just kind of thought like, this is going to be too much for them. I was coming from like a very anxious, panicky place. And I just kind of thought like, this is going to be too much for them. Like me leaving the church and my spouse coming out as trans, like they're they're just going to take a big step back. They're just not going to want to be involved in this. This just goes against everything they believe. But they have actually been like two of the people who have been here for me the most. They like instantly started using female pronouns, were supportive of stuff. And like looking back, I'm like, it shouldn't have surprised me because they are genuinely good, sweet people. But I was just so sure in my mind that like, yeah, yeah. They were the people closest to me. They were going to go like they weren't going to want to be around. And no, they have been they've been two of the people who have like stuck by me no matter what. Your parents as well, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. My parents, uh, I don't know what I really expected from them. Honestly, I'm trying to like think back to what it was like when we told them. Well, we didn't really get to tell them. My mom like forced it out of (laughs) me. Yeah, Uh, we were grocery shopping in Walmart right before Christmas. And like Steph said, she'd been like dropping breadcrumbs, right? Like fingers painted, occasionally like a pink shirt or like you switched over from like men's jeans to women's jeans, like just making small changes, becoming more androgynous, becoming a little bit more feminine. So my mom had like... (laughs) Oh, bless her soul. My mom had um picked up on <laughs> those things that those little breadcrumbs that she'd been dropping. And um we went shopping at Walmart right before Christmas. <laughs> and I was going to the bathroom and she like cornered me right in front of the bathroom. And she was like, <laughs> you have to tell me what's happening. Is, is Steph gay? What's happening? And I was like, well, um, and she was like, are you still in the church? And I was like, 
Oh, these are a lot of questions. <laughs> That's a lot. I just have to pee. By the bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, some things are changing for sure. I just don't know that this is the best place to talk about them. And she was like, what does that mean? What's changing? You need to tell me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, how can we finish the shopping? And then like, we can have a talk. But like, it did not go how I wanted it to go because I wanted Steph to be there with me. I did not want to tell her we left the church and Steph is trans at the same time. Yeah. Like a lot for little Mormon parents' heart. Like that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You need to and, be a slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one thing after another. Like, like let's just yeah that Band-Aid off real slowly. But um, <laughs> no, so went back to their place and like I just kind of explained what was happening. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, they've been supportive. They've been very helpful with kids, like as I've gone through nursing school and stuff, but and they respect my name and pronouns. And like when Katie originally told them, they were just kind of like, wow, that must be so difficult to like have had that background in things. And I feel like they did kind of respond with some sympathy, even though they don't fully understand things. And yeah, um, yeah. Well, I my think- mom did tell me she was afraid I was going to be alone forever if I was going to get divorced. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. <laughs> oh. She's more concerned you're getting divorced. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah, she was more concerned we left the church too. But yeah. like yeah. um Yeah. But I'm coming from her mind, that makes sense. Women are taught in the church like the only way you get to heaven is with a man. So uh, I think right. her mind yeah. like, well, what are you supposed to do in this world without a man to guide you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it's so true though that you want support from everybody, but you also kind of have to keep your expectations yeah for certain people yeah because you know for them to respect your pronouns and things that's great they might not quite understand but they're still supportive in the way that they can be supportive right Um, so I think that's that's good and I feel like people outside the queer community might not fully appreciate that like coming out is crazy and awful and beautiful and it's just you don't know because every single person you come out to it's like I know this person and I know their personality and their characteristics, but this could go either way. I don't know if they're going to be great about it or if they're going to be an asshole. And there's just so much anxiety over it. And you do, like, you don't just come out once. You come out over and over and over to so many different people. How did you navigate telling your kids? Because they were, how old were they when this all happened? Four and two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Our two-year-old, we didn't really need to address it because she just wouldn't have been able to communicate in that way about it she was young too like she, yeah. she, when you realized you were trans I don't even think she was quite two yet like yeah. so this was all happening right around her second birthday yeah for my four-year-old I remember one time we were all sitting under his bed and we were reading books you know getting ready for uh for bedtime and I just we tried to explain it to him in the simplest way possible and I just said you know living my life as a boy makes me really sad and I'm going to live my life as a girl because that's who I am and that's what's going to make me happy. And his biggest concern was whether or not we would still be playing superheroes with him. <laughs> we explained to him that none of that's changing. We're still going to be here to play with you. We'll do superheroes. Like we'll do all of the things that we've always done. None of that is changing. And when he realized that, he was just like, okay. And we asked him, you know, what would you like to call me? Because I don't really want to be called dad, but we want you to be able to call me something that 
feels good to you. And so he kind of agreed that he would call me mama and he would call Katie mom and mommy and mother and everything else. So, Aww. you know, we through that as a family and he's been great. He hasn't misgendered me since that day. And that was, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah. He just like, kids like get kids. it. They just, they just get roll it. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Kids have really showed me that like, oh, okay. Any kind of hatred or bigotry or prejudice is 1000% top because- it doesn't I'm, come naturally. It does not come naturally to them. Same with like all of his friends. They've just ex- like <laughs> I remember it was before preschool, and one of his little friends came over. Her mom had to leave, so I was going to take them both to preschool. And they were just sitting on the couch. I turned on Mario Kart, and they were both playing. And he just looks at her while they're playing, and he's like, "Hey, so guess what?" And she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, my dad's going to be a girl now. Now my dad's my mama." And she was like, "What?" And I was just like <laughs> listening, like. Oh, I, like, we hadn't come out like we hadn't told her parents or anything. But like, also, I was so proud of him for just being like, oh, hey, guess what? This is new in my life. Like, guess what's going on? Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, no, my my mama just like wants to wear girl clothes now because she likes that more and she's more comfortable. And his little friend like looked at him confused. And then she was like, oh, OK. And like, then just like, <laughs> I oh, that's love so perfect. that. I think Steph, I'd sent you a message when I was watching that video for like the 17th time of you in front of the judge and Michelle's oldest daughter, Julia sat and watched it with me. And she was like, well, why is she crying? And I was like, well, like she's transgender. And so this is going to be allowing her to have her proper gender and name and everything on her record. The whole, and then she was just like, oh, that's really nice. She's so beautiful. And then, like, that was the end of it. Like, yeah. there could have, I would have thought that there would have just been so many questions yeah. or I was ready to, like, have a conversation right. about it. And she was just like, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Like, I love her dress. And then <laughs> moved on. And that was the end of it. It's so cute. It's just be happy. And yeah. when they understand yeah. what, what you're doing helps you be happy, they're just like, yeah, right on. Keep doing it. Like, good for you. Yeah. And that's what we didn't have growing up right we didn't oh. have that those conversations with our families we didn't have that representation around us I grew up in a very Catholic household and went to school in Catholic schools and you know I would come across people who were gay that were in school and things like that but it was never like a oh look at this person they're living their true authentic self and they're happy yeah. it, it was never like that and so my kids are having a way different education than I did wow. as a child when it comes to you know, gay, trans, bi, pan, like all of these things, they know that language. They know yeah. the terminology. We were at the at this park and one of our friend's kiddos goes by they, them pronouns. And so they were coming to the park and Adrian's like, what do you mean they? And I'm like, oh, well, they go by they, them, um, not, not she, her, he, him. And I was like, do you guys talk about pronouns in schools? And Adrian's like, doesn't sound very Christian. <laughs> and I was like, okay, true. That's probably not something that you're learning in but your not, sixth but grade. But not him not him saying that more in like a, a critical way towards you know, yeah. the school. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. They were like, mm, I don't know about that. Because like, <laughs> I just cure out of curiosity. I'm like, well, don't you talk about pronouns in schools? Yeah, and they were like, doesn't sound very Christian to me. And I was like, yeah, okay, fair. So I will tell you about pronouns. But then it's been, it's just been fluid the whole time. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, we have one of my yeah. friends, one of my friend's kids has, 
She's uh, they <laughs> dang it. They are non-binary. <laughs> my brain has the hardest time with they them, and I like I hate my. <laughs> I'm like, damn it! I'm an ally. Brain, stop this! Like I have yeah. <laughs> they them, and my son will always correct me, and like thank heavens, thank heavens, because yeah, my friend's kid um, goes by they them. And every once in a while, I'll slip up and say she. And Henry goes, you mean they? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> they can do it. And sometimes he'll see people <laughs> out, like, if we go to the park or grocery store or something, he'll see people who are more androgynous. And he'll look at me and be, he'll be like, do you think that they're a they? And I'm like, maybe. Maybe. can <laughs> ask them their pronouns. But he's just, like, he's so good at never misgendering people. He's so good That's at amazing. it. amazing. I think. That's, I'm so excited for that generation of kids being brought up. It'll just open the doors for that next generation to even have less trouble. And yeah, yeah. and it, and it, there's got to be a correlation between that and mental health as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. you're, oh, absolutely. There's so much shame and there's so much um, self hatred when it comes to things like that. If you were if you were raised in a religious household or a strict household and that that affects your mental health and so to be able to have this freedom because there's representation around you it it just it's got to make i don't know it's yeah. just got to make things i mean better. for one i never would have married a man very yeah. True. yeah and that would have saved me a lot of trouble a lot of therapy yeah a lot of therapy <laughs> the money i'd have today just in the lack of therapy <laughs> So Steph, what was the process for you? Because when people transition, when they're transgender, it can look different for everybody. Um, And so did you go see your doctor and look into like hormone therapy or yeah, had you thought through what that looked like? Not really. Like I just, I wasn't very familiar with what transitions typically look like. And what do you play? Yeah. <laughs> to silently cue to you that I wanted to say something, oh, but now it's <laughs> as Amy and Michelle are always like putting our hand up and we compete for like whose hand could go higher. No, I was I was just going to like mouth Lori to you that name. You had posted on Reddit about how like you felt awful, like you couldn't do this to me and the kids and you oh, posted yeah. on like an ex-Mormon Reddit and somebody commented and they were like, Hey, um, my daughter is in the same situation as your wife. And what did she say? She was so kind and just basically like, you can't not do this to them. Like you have to be you because it's going to be so much harder on everybody. Like if you don't accept that this is like part yeah. of your being. So I reached out to that person who, commented and was like hey uh i'm the wife um is your (laughs) chance willing to like talk to me or anything because i had heard of no one else who had been through anything even Mm -hmm. similar and so when i saw that comment i was like i have to talk to them i have to talk to them so their daughter lives like half an hour away from me so we were texting back and forth and i just she was like my little therapist for a minute. I spilled all my guts to her. We met up. We went out for lunch a couple times. And she, I feel like she was huge. Because she was like, she's like where we were at, like where we're at right now. That yeah. was her two years ago, right? right? Like she That's was amazing. two years ahead of us. And so she explained like what worked for them. She gave us the name of like doctors and like mm-hmm. what to, kind of how to get started. She gave us like our 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 trans starter kit yeah you know yeah 
so yeah there is a doctor in salt lake and she i guess professionally is known as a trans gynecologist but she helps trans people through their transitions and she's been doing it for about 25 years and she has tons of patients that come see her so yeah i went and saw her and she started me on hormone therapy which initially just includes like a testosterone blocker and slowly gets you on estrogen just to kind of see how your body reacts and then they kind of up it up from there so yeah that's how things began and then i started doing other things transition related like you know hair removal and whatever else that i felt comfortable with and then you know my presentation just slowly shifted more towards being feminine well it was really helpful because you came out so you we like kind of made the discovery that you're trans like you told me in like June about everything you were dealing with, probably like July, August, September-ish. That's when we came to the conclusion like, oh, you're trans for sure. That's mm-hmm. that's where we're at. And we did not come out publicly like online until I say we, but I mean, it is me too. Like I'm included in <laughs> yeah, this. <but> yeah. <laughs> we came out publicly March of 2020, March 6th to be exact, in March 20. Oh, of, wow. And then a week later, everything got shut down. So it's yeah, been yeah. kind of nice to like drop that huge bomb and then be like, hey, we don't have to be anxious around people because we actually can't. <laughs> this is great. So like you are a completely different yeah. person coming out of quarantine yeah. than you were going in. Yeah. And wow. so it's been I think there are some blessings that this pandemic provided. And it's, yeah. yeah, that's another good one. You got to sort of yeah. transition and do all this stuff and then reemerge a new yeah. authentic person. Yeah, it really has been nice to not have to worry about like using a female restroom like while your presentation is still like very much under construction. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like you said, transition kind of looks different for trans people. Um, Some people pursue lots of surgeries, some don't, some are comfortable with that. Some like their dysphoria is just so bad that like in order to live a life that they're comfortable with, you know, they have to pursue those things. So those are items that are a little bit more personal and I have an idea of like what I do want to do and what I don't want to do. But yeah, every day gets better and I just feel so much happier with where I'm at now. And I just look back to, you know, what I was trying to force myself into years ago. I just don't know how much longer I would have been around because it was just so difficult. Like I was worried all the time. Every time you would leave, I was just so worried that you were... Yeah. Can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that's like such a real reality, reality yeah. for so many LGBTQ plus yeah. youth yeah. and adults. Like it's just, yeah. But even without any outside influences from religious corporation, but especially, yeah. uh-huh. with, especially with the church, they're just, yeah, they're suicide rates in Utah among youth are like eight times higher than the national average. Our number one cause of death among um, adolescents is suicide. And in most other states, that's not the case. It's like accidents, drug overdoses, you know, things, things like that are like chronic diseases, but not, not suicide. But in Utah, it's so high. It's so high. And the church just coming out and like, they're not pinpointing the actual problem. Yeah. They just no, double down. It worse they double down on their yeah. anti-queer 
doctrines and policies. Yeah. Well, I saw a TikTok because I guess school started back up in Utah and the BYU, I think they were doing some sort of rainbow sidewalk or something like that. And then there was someone that vandalized it. Oh yeah. Connor Ray Murray. Okay. Okay. We're saying his name because if you're going to be like that, I mean, you're going to get called out for it. So last week there was, um, one of the apostles. So the church is led by like a prophet, the first presidency, and then 12 apostles. So one of the apostles went to BYU and gave a talk basically rebuking the staff for being supportive of LGBTQ people. Also, two years ago, there was a a guy, Matt Eastman, or Matt Easton. I'm pretty sure it's Matt Easton. I think I just messed up his name. My bad. Sorry, Matt, if you ever listened to this. Um, but he came out in his commencement speak in his commencement speech. And um Elder Holland, the apostle who went down to BYU, accused him of like commandeering the speech and how that was not an appropriate thing to do, which is not true at all. In his commencement speech, he just mentioned that he is a gay son of God. And he had his speech approved two to three weeks in advance. He went through all the procedures. Like, it was not a surprise to any of the faculty who reviewed it what was going to be in his speech. It just drew on his experiences. And he decided to do that because one of his classmates had come out a couple of, like, a year or two earlier and had a lot of, like, very negative pushback and then ended up suicide. And so he just, he he drew on his experiences of being an LGBTQ individual at BYU and how there's actually a pretty big population there of queer people. So anyways, Elder Holland uh, basically like rebuked him for doing that. And also in his talk, he talked about how Mormons need to love and empathize with queer people but be very careful to make sure that that love and empathy does not come across as advocacy or condoning their lifestyle. And so it's just like things like that are talks like that are given every single general conference, which is every six months. And then when they do things like that in between, it's like, and every single time a talk like that is given suicide rates jump. It's just, we've had enough of it. Every, I feel like, I feel like so many members too. Like I've seen a lot of active members saying like, no, I've advocated for people and I will continue to advocate for people. And I can yeah. do that and still have a strong faith in Jesus Christ through my church, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. I just, I see, I see posts like that and I'm like, well, that's where I started. And then it led me out. So I wish the best for you, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And so, oh man, it, it's just so heartbreaking. It's so harmful. It costs lives. So yeah, a ton of yeah. ex-Mormon went down to BYU and drew messages of love and support on the sidewalks. Like they made it very intentional to not write anything against any of the leaders. Like it was all messages okay, like you yeah. are loved, you are enough, color is beautiful, just all these messages like that. And the next morning, everything was gone. So not only did that one kid dump water, somebody else or maybe multiple other people came and washed everything away. And so they all went back the next night and everything has since been washed away again. And everybody is going back again tonight to, and like, we're just going to keep doing that. We're just going to keep being really loud about how it's not okay to isolate and tell queer people that they're wrong. And yeah, we hopefully 
hopefully people will see that they're not alone and that maybe there's not support in their church, but there is still a valid reason to be alive. They are loved and they are worthy and they don't need old white men in Salt Lake to tell them that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like even if like one person listens to this and says, oh, like just sees their representation, sees themselves in the story, I think that's a job well done. And that's that's my hope. That's my hope and being really loud about being supportive and loving and genuinely loving because you can't you can't love and empathize with somebody, but make sure that they know you don't condone the way they live. Like that's not yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, people outside of the church don't care. We do we don't care. Like Steph and I don't care if people condone of our of our lifestyle or or yes, Steph Trent. Yeah. Like we don't care. What we care about is the fact that there are so many queer youth in the church and, and queer adults too. There are so many queer mm-hmm. people in the church who are hearing this, who are knowing that their family and friends are soaking in every single word that these leaders are saying and that that they're viewing them in this very, very narrow way and and not a loving way. And so that's my hope is that somebody will see that like there are people out there who are willing to be loud in opposition to what most Utahns see as like powerful men and to stand up to them and to fight for like their feelings and their rights and, and just know that they are loved and supported. Yeah. I think that's another, like you said, beauty of social media that these, that these kids are experiencing and seeing things that are happening outside of their bubble. And they're seeing that there are people that are living their authentic selves and that are coming out and that are supported and have a community around them and they might not have that in their community, but they can can see it and see that it's possible. Like we said, we didn't have anything like that when we were younger. They have the opportunity and the more that people share their story, the more people can see it and relate and feel like this life is worth living because this person did it and look at where they are now yeah. and look at how happy they are. And to hear Steph and to see Steph and to see how happy you are and how loving your family is and how you stuck together. It, it's just, I don't know. It's just exactly. so important. Yeah. Exactly. That you didn't lose everything, that your life didn't implode. In fact, your life only became more beautiful and more full. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My God, you both just make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> like the world just needs more people to like, like share these experiences and, and be allies and, you know, and just to share their stories, to be that representation that so many people need. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us tell that story. Absolutely. You can tell as many stories as you want. We'll have you on once a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Katie said that. I did not sign up for this podcast with Steph and Katie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being so open and honest and vulnerable because that is a really personal story to tell. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it gets easier the more we tell it. And and you guys yeah. feel like best friends anyway. So yeah. it's fun getting together to talk with you. Definitely. Oh, oh my God. Literally. We're coming <laughs> to visit you. Yeah. We need to get through this pandemic. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Please do. Bring your five dogs and come visit us. <laughs> Can we bring Michelle's five kids as well, though? <laughs> okay. so we'll just, just like load up in a little, yeah, a little school bus and head on over. Road trip. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. We'll let you get on with your Sunday evening and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. We yeah, thank that. you. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Have a good night, guys. Bye. 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 Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Beep, beep. I've got the bus. I'm All assuming right. by the time this is playing, I've been found negative for COVID. I hope so. Get in. We're heading to Utah. Let's go. That would be my luck. I think I had COVID in January 2020. Yeah. Before COVID was even a thing. I am 99% sure I had it. Are you patient and zero? I'm, I'm probably patient zero. <laughs> I mean, I have never been to Wuhan, China, and I haven't traveled internationally, but somehow probably I am. Definitely. And yes. also, I've been double vaccinated, so it would be my flipping luck if it I get be. COVID. Absolutely. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, Katie and Steph, thank you so much for being so candid and just, I don't know, vulnerable about sharing your story. That is, well, and I just love that we could get like Katie's perspective of it too. Like I think a lot of times you hear when someone's transitioning, you hear from that person. And so it was so interesting to hear kind of how Katie felt about it and how, um, how encouraging she was for Steph yeah. and just how they're structuring their family now. It's just so cool. I love it so much. I love it more. Well, I will, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, well, guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Um, the best way to check us out is by social media. Check us out on Instagram. We've got a Facebook group. TikTok. Where else are we? Patreon. We're also on Buy Me a Coffee. So if you guys ever were like, hey, those girls are awesome. I want to like throw a few shackles their way. Shackles. Uh, <laughs> we are. I think that's, for our, that's for our OnlyFans account. Oh God. No, no one's paying for that. Um, <laughs> we are on Buy Me a Coffee. So you can check that out too. Yeah. I think we wanted to have a way of people if they wanted to show us some love or support us, um, but maybe didn't want the commitment of Patreon or it's cute. It's a really cute it's website. There's cute. a couple. Yeah. There's a few like cute little options in there that you can really customize um, that you don't get on, on Patreon or TikTok or anything. So yeah. Check us out. Check us out. <laughs> but don't All right, actually I hope... check us out because that's going to make us really uncomfortable. My God, I'd be so awkward. <laughs> I would hate it. I want to do a Patreon episode of all the things that make me irrationally uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. I think that would be amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, I hope this week is good for you and everybody. And um, I don't know. Connect with us. Let... What? What? Connect what connect with us and let us know what you thought of today's episode all right do it all right. have a good day i'll see you later okay bye bye